Welcome to the Cinderella Podcast, where we watch and review every Cinderella adaptation we can get our hands on, discussing the same story over and over, until we slowly go insane. I'm Liv. And I'm Talon. And today we watched Choo Choo Channel's Cinderella, made in 2020, which we have helpfully called the Barbie Arms Cinderella, for reasons that will unfortunately become clear soon. Yeah. So, just to explain... Choo Choo TV is, according to Wikipedia, an Indian network of YouTube channels that creates edutainment content for children. Mm-hmm. This channel has 2.85 million subscribers. I think people watch this. To be fair, as someone who is trying to learn Russian, fairy tales are the easiest way to do that because it's simple words and simple context and simple verb conjugations. So, like, I get it, but we also had to watch this with our eyes. Okay, but in the context of this is content made for, like, very, very young children, like babies, Mm -hmm. some things do begin to make more sense. Yeah, but some things begin to make less sense. Yeah. All right, we got to just start, I guess. There's not really any way to prepare ourselves or you, so, yeah, we... We watched it, and here's what happened. There's a channel logo. It's very loud. It squeaks at you and says, Choo Choo TV. And then in a different voice, it goes, Story time. I have that voice down as manic Chucky doll voice, and the music is just making the xylophone you've leveled up in a video game sound. It was, it was startlingly loud. And I began to be very worried at the amount of sounds and colors and just, like, noises that had just happened to me. Mm -hmm. And then we get a title card, and it basically looks like the menu screen of, like, the kind of computer game that you would play on a website in, like, the early 2000s. Yeah, 100%. It's also a dissolve wipe from the top left corner into just this movie poster for itself. And just background video game music is playing. Yeah, and it's got, like, all of the different characters kind of weirdly posed in a frame fashion around Cinderella and the prince in what turns out to be their wedding outfits. So, spoilers. Spoilers. They've also got their arms linked with each other and are staring straight at the camera with their mouths open, just grinning. And I was like, wow, what an unfortunate picture that they have chosen. But no, my friends, that's what they look like the entire time. This is animated in the computer version of like a cut paper doll. Mm -hmm. Like the same animation that, say, South Park uses. But South Park is more emotive and more fluid. And this is very not staccato. Yeah, boring staccato. That's a thing. We will undoubtedly mention this a lot, but just every time anybody is on screen, they have to be slightly moving because everything is very still and everything reads really flat. But they don't have a lot of range of motion. So people just kind of move their arms at their elbows and point at things and nod and like close their eyes just a lot. And also, everything is less like animation and more like here are five different sequences that we can piece together Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of like things 
this person can do. So they just end up holding the same pose for a beat too long or the same expression for a beat too long. Or just like because the motion is on a loop, they're doing it slightly too long. This is uncanny and delightful. Sometimes there'll be a scene where it doesn't make sense for anyone to be moving a forearm or making a different hand gesture, but it would be weird if they just stood stock still. So the characters just sort of bounce back and forth. Like, what's that little Pokemon that's got the three little digging things? Diglet? Diglet? Yeah. They just sort of bounce, sort of jello-like from side to side. It's it's hilarious. It's that it's that like little not currently doing a thing animation in video games. We have to actually start our story. I don't want to. I have to start this first part. Uh-huh. We see a storybook, which is normal. We see this a lot. And there's a picture in it of a manor house. It looks like a palace. Okay. So it's three stories tall, but it has... It's got turrets and a flag. No, no. Here... Okay. Huh. So there's a thing called a mansard roof. And you guys have seen this. It's on fancier houses. And it's where the top floor of the house is like the roof. So it's got a very, very, very steep roof as the top floor. And the reason for this... I can't believe we're already arguing. <laughs> the reason for this is that in France, in the 18-whatevers, there was a law that taxed houses by how many floors there were, and they didn't count attics. And so everybody in France built these houses where the top floor was just had roof tile on it and was slightly inclined and had, you know, gable windows that stuck out to allow a lot of light to come in. Okay, did the law also make them make the room round? No, that's a turret that's on top of this. So what I'm trying to describe is that there is a three-story square building with four floors of mansard roofs and then a round turret on top of it. That's a castle. I was dying, you guys. <laughs> this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I'm tempted. So here's the thing, guys. My husband's a carpenter. I can't show him that picture. He would die. That would be incredible. It would be a great prank to murder him, but he will... You should tell him that's what you want. I'm going to describe it to him, and he's going to give me that look, and then I'm going to feel really bad about myself. <laughs> okay. Anyways. We now meet our family. We also meet our narrator, who, for some reason, narrates things to us, but only when he feels like it. Yeah, he doesn't really know what he's doing there. I maintain that the narrator recorded this without seeing the film he was narrating, and nobody did any editing, and however it lined up is how it lined up. At one point, he gives us an exposition dump, and then the characters repeat the exposition dump verbatim. Yeah. It's delightful. <laughs> so he tells us that there was once a very wealthy man who had a sweet and kind daughter. And we see our father, who has a massive handlebar mustache and, like, a very hipster haircut. Yeah, it's very short on the sides, and you can actually see, like, the three lines in the differences in his hair. Those are supposed to be gray, but 100% it's just lines in his hair. Now, to be fair, that hairstyle 
was popular at like the late 1800s. Is that... And it has made a resurgence now. Sure, sure, sure. Is that when this movie is set, Liv? This movie is set in all times. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm going to get to it based on the costumes that we see. So Cinderella is playing with pigeons on the ground outside of a fountain. She's wearing a little purple dress with white puppy sleeves. She's a full adult, by the way. And she has very pink eyeshadow. She's wearing... Uh, this is like a bad medieval costume that you would get from Halloween Town. Halloween USA? <laughs> I have it in my notes as a peasant girl outfit in the, like, 90s resurgence of that style sense, not, like, literally. Yes, that is exactly what it is, and she has very pink eyeshadow. So right now, this could be said in the 90s. Very possibly. When the narrator says, by the way, that the daughter is very sweet and kind-hearted, the pigeon that's on her shoulder, because there's one also, like, on her arm, cuddles up to her, and she cuddles up to the pigeon, and they snuggle, which, like, ooh, I don't, I don't think you should do that. Not pigeons. Pigeons, mm, mm -mm, mm -mm, no, no thank you. But our narrator helpfully tells us that the man had a wife who died and now has a new wife. But he tells us this by way of a portrait. So all of a sudden, we're looking at a gray screen with faint detailing on it and a gold frame portrait. Like wallpaper. And it's, it's supposed to be wallpaper, but it's just weird. And we see the dad and a woman with brown hair wearing a, a nearly identical purple dress holding a little grub of a baby with gigantic eyes it's terrifying and then we just get another portrait directly next to it and it's a portrait of him and the second wife and she's wearing like a dark pink split down the front kind of dress with a collar that goes around the back of her neck that's very 1740s not 1740s very 16 it's like an elizabethan collar yeah, it's like an Elizabethan collar. It doesn't go all the way around the front, but it does look like a peacock's tail because it's bright green and blue and it's just surrounding her. It's an interesting choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then the narrator says, the man was hoping his new wife would be a good mother to his daughter. We see Cinderella picking flowers and she brings them to a clearly evil stepmother. At this point, she's wearing a dark blue dress with the same Elizabethan collar, but all of the accents on her dress and on her collar are like vivid green or vivid purple, mm -hmm. like Joker colors. Yeah. And she's got like really dark purple eyeshadow. Mm -hmm. Very intense eyebrows, very dark hair. I have that she looks like she's in a mediocre Maleficent costume. Yeah, like she's leaning hard into being a villain. Yeah. And Cinderella, like, presses her hands together to her face in an almost prayer motion and closes her eyes and smiles. Mm -hmm. And the very next scene, she is on her knees scrubbing a fancy carpet, like a rug, in a big room. But she's, like, smiling. And she's still in her fancy purple dress. Yeah. She's barefoot. She's grinning maniacally. That's her default expression. Her mouth is open in a big vacant smile and she's looking mm -hmm. straight ahead. Yep. Please remember, she is but a digital paper doll. It's not her fault. She's very blonde, by the way. Did we mention that she's super duper blonde? Very blonde. The evil stepmother is standing there watching her with one hand on her hip 
and one finger at her bottom lip so they just they just have like poses that they strike mm-hmm. and the narrator tells us that the man's new wife turned out to be a mean and selfish woman and then the stepmother walks across the rug leaving footprints and looks back over her shoulder and smirks at cinderella and i have to ask was was that the evil part i thought making her wash the rug was the evil part i think cinderella was washing the rug for funsies because we see cinderella in the background kind of change her facial changes the way her mouth is open and gets different eyebrows that are surprised and upset eyebrows also this stepmother is wearing a very distinctive red locket that i think she's collecting the souls of a bunch of people so that she can eat it and maintain her human form I can't, I can't do that again. I can't, I can't. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm going to distract you now. This is the first time that I noticed that there was a frame painting in the background of the scene. And the reason I noticed this is that it really tickled me that it was a painting of a vase or a jug of some kind. Mm-hmm. Because why wouldn't you just have a vase? Like if you're designing the room, not as a real person, but as an animator. If you're drawing the room, why would you do a painting of a vase? Just do that same vase on a table. Mm-hmm. Did you already have the vase rendered and you didn't have a place to put it? So you made it a picture like, what is going on? Who decided that? Mm-hmm. And I just thought this was a silly thing that was not going to come up ever again. Mm-mm. But apparently, even though I tuned out of the vase picture saga at that point, Liv had not. No. Guys, I watched this so slowly, I don't have any of the words down that anybody said because I was so focused on the backgrounds of this movie. So this is the scene where we're now meeting the stepsisters. The stepsisters are dressed in 1950s dresses. One of them is wearing pink and has white gloves. One of them is wearing purple and has a headband. They both have identical dark purple belts with an ornate gold oval buckle. If anybody was around in the early aughts, those horrible belts that we all bought and wore over everything for no reason, those. We find out that the daughters are mean and bad, just like the stepmother. As one of them, I believe the one in purple, has picked up an entire chicken Mm -hmm. and is just eating the the back of it so she's taken a bite out of part of it and the way you would normally take a bite out of you know a chicken breast a chicken wing a dumpling of some kind no she's just putting a whole chicken against her face for context we have now changed scenes the stepmother is sitting at a table with the stepsisters on either side of her and they're having dinner I guess, because everyone's got a drumstick or two on their plate. Pink stepsister is just holding a drumstick in her hand and eating it. Mm-hmm. Purple stepsister is, yes, in fact, holding an entire chicken. Chicken is missing one leg. There's a drumstick on her plate. I think she tore the drumstick off with her teeth and is now going to take a bite where it attached at, like, the chicken side. Mm-hmm. This is where my obsession with the backgrounds kicked in. So yeah, I, I also saw that uh, portrait of a old-timey sort of Grecian-looking vase. It has a very tall neck and sort of a bulbous body and a little delicate handle. It's actually quite lovely. 
when you see it for the first time. There's a second identical portrait of it on the wall next to it, but smaller. <laughs> Things on the table. There are large wooden cocktail drinking vessels, a couple of wooden drinking jacks, like old timey. They're drinking orange juice out of sherry glasses, little tiny wine glasses. There are candles burning, even though we see a window and it's broad daylight. That's how rich they are. Okay. It's a flex. So that's part of what's going on in the background. There's also a fireplace that's just full of other vases. <laughs> the, the mantelpiece is just only half of it. The other half is completely empty, but the right half is just nonstop vases. I think part of what's happening is that this animation was probably made with some sort of software that has a bunch of pre-made things that you can drag and drop into a scene. Undoubtedly. And possibly the only decorative item that they felt fit their aesthetic was that vase. Yeah. It does explain, I think, the weird mishmash of styles and part of why the animation is the way it is. Like, I really do think we're dealing with a paper doll scenario. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Cinderella is standing by the table and she's just serving them with a big smile on her face. Mm -hmm. And as she goes to pour a jug of presumably orange juice, but it has like foam. I don't know. She like overpours it. But because everything happens just very slowly, mm -hmm. the animation of her pouring orange juice into an overflowing glass loops around like a second too long. Like for a solid beat, she's standing there smiling <laughs> at her stepmother continuing to pour the orange juice. And it looks just like she's doing it on purpose. Yes. The pink stepsister gets like really mad and picks up the glass and stands up and tosses the juice at Cinderella and points for her to leave. And at that point, the camera angle switches a little bit and we find out that Cinderella's father is at the table and has been this whole time. Mm -hmm. And he stands up when this happens. And the narrator tells us they were all so rude and mean that the man grew very unhappy. And we see him sort of pacing in the hall and he reaches out one arm at Cinderella as she leaves. And then he has like a thought bubble of Cinderella scrubbing the rug with a smile. And then it disappears and is replaced with another thought bubble of Cinderella serving at the table just a second ago. Mm -hmm. And he bunches his fists and starts walking one way and then switches direction and walks out of frame the other way. And the narrator concludes, and went to work far away. So the father just pieces out. Also, a thing that only I picked up on, undoubtedly, uh, the father is wearing the exact same outfit that he's wearing in his wedding portrait with the first wife. <laughs> he only has one outfit, Liv. It's not his fault. There's also another picture of a green vase in the background. A different one. Like, it's a different picture of the same green vase. So the dad just gets on his horse and rides away. And Cinderella is sad about this and very silly tears come out of her eyes and she waves him goodbye and runs back into the house as the step family jello jiggles their selves in place unabashedly. Yeah. And then the narrator just goes, and so the man left, leaving his daughter with her stepmother and stepsisters. Which like to me implies that when like when it says that he thought they were all so rude and mean 
he was including his daughter in that i that's the only explanation that makes him like not just yeah like how how that's the only thing that saves him as a character like maybe cinderella did pour it on purpose who knows to him he thinks but clearly what's happening is he's gone oh no this is stressful i'm out bye he pulled a classic ella enchanted dad like i hate this goodbye you deal with each other yeah so now we get our working montage cinderella's now in servants clothes she has a patched skirt and an apron and a little head kerchief and we get double shots so we get a side-by-side split screen and we see cinderella with one of the sisters but it's the bedroom of lady tremaine from the disney version like it's the exact same bedroom and then on the other side we see her giving her stepmother who i just have in my notes is maleficent half the time a cup that's full of coffee, but the coffee doesn't move. So it looks like Cinderella has given her stepmother a coffee cup full to the brim of chocolate that is solid. Just a cup full of brown. What I noticed about this scene is that both the stepmother and the pink stepsister are fully dressed in their regular clothes. The pink stepsister is just laying on top of the bed, and there does not appear to be a blanket like anywhere. No. But the stepmother is laying on the bed in her full dress with the Elizabethan collar Mm -hmm. resting underneath her head on the pillow, but with a blanket drawn on top in a style that does not match the bed. No, no. The other stepsister, I can't remember which one, throws a pile of colors onto the ground. It's dirty laundry, but yes. I eventually figured out that it is supposed to be dirty laundry. Cinderella picks it up with no hand articulation at all and carries the pile of fabric without touching it in the slightest. The stepmother appears to be displeased with the coffee in some way and angrily throws the cup onto the floor. Mm -hmm. And the narrator tells us that the poor girl was loving and kind to her stepmother and stepsisters, but they were very mean to her and turned her into a servant. Which, like, that's burying the lead a little bit, I feel like. Yeah, there is... Uh, you'll be excited to know a different portrait of a different vase on the wall in this room. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I lobbied really hard to have this called the Hidden Vase Cinderella. <laughs> and Talon shot me down really hard. But this is, this is the Hidden Vase Cinderella. So then the narrator very helpfully tells us they even changed her name to Cinderella since her face grew dusty from the cinders that she would clean in the fireplace. And then after informing us of this, we see this play out mm-hmm. like a actor reenactment in a crime documentary. Yep. So the two stepsisters go, ha like Beavis and Butthead. Yep. One of them says, your face is always full of cinders. And the other one goes, we will call you Cinderella. And the first one goes, Cinderella. And then they go, ha, 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 ha. Talon, you did that with way too much emotion and vocal inflection. I I feel like you're getting our (laughs) listeners unnecessarily amped up, and I wish you would just cool it. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'll I'll do better. Also, a tiny note, Cinderella, what she is doing is carrying what's supposed to be a bucket, but you guys ever seen those half barrels that you put in gardens? She's carrying a fifth of that, just the top 
fifth. Like the depth of like a pie pan. That's also what she was using when she was washing the rug. Mm-hmm. Which makes me think that's another thing where they only had like one option. Yeah. But also she's in a fireplace where there is a perfectly set up cone of burnt firewood. And she's just picking up the burnt logs and putting them into a basket. You burn the logs and then they're gone. They don't carbonize. You have to really try hard to turn wood into coal. You got to do a whole special thing. Otherwise it just burns. And what you clear away is the ash, not the lumps of wood. You can still burn those. I mean, they call her Cinderella, not Logarella. It should be obvious. I say as someone who's never had a fireplace in my life. So then we get a really amazing ripple transition to the next scene. Like a like, circular puddle kind. So it looks like something is happening like in the past or through a portal or something. But you know, it's just at the house. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we see a man with a very big handlebar mustache and a very tall stripy blue sombrero. No, no. It's a tall blue hat in the style of the cat in the hat okay sure he's just sort of rocking side to side and he comes into the house to give the announcement about the ball whatever i have no notes on this i've got the announcement which i have like i have a thing i need to talk to you about let me just set the scene before you give this note so the foyer that they are sitting in where he is delivering this message has three different double height double door doorways that have curtains over the closed doors there are vines going up the staircase the chairs are shaped like onions the stepmother has a very developed sense of style i don't know if it's in this scene but they have a beautiful hanging plant Mm -hmm. it's kind of like an ivy or a vine or something but it's hanging in this really big intricate ornate lantern a lot of the style of the various doors and backgrounds will be very art nouveau and Mm -hmm. really nice i liked a lot of the backgrounds in this they were like genuinely lovely yeah they had nothing to do with anything that was happening and no one interacted with any of the things but they they were very nice to look at yeah so here's what it says on his weirdly old-timey scroll considering the stepsisters are wearing 50s housewife dresses The king and queen have invited all the young ladies who live here to a ball tomorrow evening where their son, the prince, and then we get like a little imagination bubble pop up Mm -hmm. in which the prince appears. And he's just like a Ken doll of a man with like very short cropped hair, very plain face, smiling ear to ear, Mm -hmm. mouth open, Mm -hmm. wearing some sort of prince uniform. Then the bubble disappears. So they're just showing us who the prince is which that's fine that's fine i don't know if i needed that but okay if this is for the purpose of learning english like reiterating that is nice i did find it really funny that the messenger indicated the thought bubble that he was having like he pointed to it yeah he does that a lot Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. actually so then he says that the prince will dance with all the young ladies and choose a bride Mm -hmm. and we're just gonna put a pin in that Mm-hmm. The stepsisters are very excited about this. They have little hearts coming out of them. The announcer also tells us the invitation made everyone very happy, which is great because I would not have been able to figure that out because they smile all the time with mm-hmm. their mouths open. And that is just 
their neutral facial expression. Mm-hmm. So it was helpful to know what emotion they were feeling through their rictus grins. Yeah. The cyanide grin, Cinderella. So the pink sister says, I can't wait to dance with the prince. And the purple stepsister says, I hope he chooses me as his bride. And then the pink one literally balls up her fists and sort of hunches down like she's about to start a boxing match. Yeah, and she scowls very briefly, and then she returns back to neutral standing pose with a regular smile. Mm -hmm. It was like just a brief little emotion animation, and then she goes back, like a resting smile face. And the stepmother says that she's going to make sure that her daughters are the best dressed. Okay, but the stepmother sounds like a caricature of herself. I'll make sure my daughters are the best dressed. Like... She sounds like a caricature of herself. I was dying. I thought that the stepmother was being played by a voice actress who was trying to sound significantly older than she was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was a weird choice. Yeah. So the day of the ball arrives and we see the stepsisters come down the stairs. And by the day of the ball, we mean tomorrow. And we saw something that we had to go back and watch again because I missed it the first time. And it made me scream. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Talon, you want to? want to cue our listeners in as to what we see so uh two servants walk in carrying a bunch of colorful parcels yes that's right there are servants in this house it does not appear that they are short on money or staff i think the stepmother is just making cinderella be their servant just out of being evil Mm -hmm. the stepmother is now wearing a very dark magenta dress with a big hat that goes with it and it's very early 1900s dramatic and the narrator tells us that cinderella stepmother bought clothes and shoes for her two daughters but she didn't get anything for cinderella Mm -hmm. which i didn't think needed to be said but that's fine yeah the pink sister pulls out a piece of cloth that is supposed to be a multi-layered dress but it It's the dress equivalent of one of those t-shirts that has a tuxedo just printed on it. (laughs) That's what she pulls out. Purple gets like a pair of red shoes or something. And then they walk off. The stepmother is still in the room. And Cinderella is standing right behind her, just fully in her dirty and patched servant clothes with the little kerchief on her head. She goes, Mother, I'd like something new to wear to the ball too. I don't have anything other than these clothes. And she moves her, her arms around, bent at the elbows, Barbie style. And when she says these clothes, she helpfully points at her clothes with a finger on each hand. Mm-hmm. Normally when a character would say these clothes, you would gesture to your bodice with one hand or hold out your skirt with one hand to show the patches. No, she points at both of her clavicles. Really just collarbones, mom. Also, I hate it when Cinderella calls her stepmother mother. That's the worst. Yikes. I mean, it's not the worst, but it's really unpleasant. Okay, I will say that pointing with two fingers at something while you're saying the thing that you're pointing at is a move I use with small children and, like, toddlers and babies at the library all the time. Like, when we do a song in which we're supposed to tap our feet. I'll use both fingers to point at my feet to indicate that I'm about to tap them. So if this is, in fact, geared for the, like... Very small? One to three-year-old age range. 
Mm-hmm. This does sort of make sense. Yeah, but the stepmother responds to this request with, Cinderella, these clothes are just right for you because you're a servant girl. With, like, super evil eyebrows now. Cinderella is somehow surprised by this. Just sad. And, and then the stepmother reminds Cinderella of, I mean, you know the common saying, right, Liv? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone knows this. I shouldn't even have to say this. But uh, she goes, and as you know, servant girls shouldn't dance with princess or come to balls. You know. So we've all heard that a million times. Like humans say, the stepsisters have come down the stairs wearing their t-shirt tuxedo dresses that are actually really pretty. These are like 1870s walking day dresses. One of them is blue and yellow. One of them is dark red and pale teal. And it has little like ruching and little skirts and like an underskirt that shows through and it's asymmetrical and it has a little high collar. Like it's super cute. It has matching hats. Why are these dresses so cute? So they basically look like Rose at the beginning of Titanic. Yes. Just very, very cute with a lot of detail, actually. Also, if you thought that the stepsisters had different faces, they don't. And they did not keep their gloves and hairband. And now they've completely changed colors. So there's no way to tell them apart. Until they're back in their previous outfits, we no longer know who is pink and who's purple. Yeah. Which I've, by the way, decided are their names. Oh, pink and purple are 100% their names. Okay, good, good. Glad we agree. Yeah. So the stepsisters walk in just in time to go, ha, 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 ha. Mm-hmm. And they, they walk out as Cinderella just sits there with her face in her hands. Mm-hmm. And then the narrator tells us, Poor Cinderella. She sat at home and cried while everyone else went to the ball, which is in fact the thing that we just saw. She's now curled up on her bed, still crying, but now with like her head pillowed on her arms at mm-hmm. the edge of the bed. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to. Do you want to like tell us what happens next? So, a, a pink and yellow butterfly comes in, but you know how how normally when people animate a butterfly, it's mostly two wings. And not a giant yellow caterpillar with a big face in the middle of the wings. I had also noticed that. And Yeah, so that happens and sort of flutters around her. And then, poof, we get a fairy godmother. She has red hair and an incredibly poofy skirt that has a pink layer and then a slightly longer blue layer that are pulled back from the underskirt which is green which has two different green frilly layers and I've got to say I was getting horrible flashbacks to this one specific prom dress that I tried on in high school the fairy looks super cute she's got a little heart necklace on she's got flowers and butterflies in her hair and she's got wings she is also like Cinderella's age Mm -hmm. she's also wearing like point ballet shoes yes in like a very pale blue color it's weird it's working i i think it's very i think her whole outfit is working she's pulling it off she also has very delicate like tinkerbell type wings that sparkle Mm -hmm. she's literally limbed in hot pink so the line that separates her from the background is hot pink she's just glowy and sparkly she is almost person-sized but just a little smaller than that and hovers above the ground, just floating with her knees slightly bent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She is like just the tiniest bit proportionally smaller. It's very strange. And guys, the music that's playing here, 
is <laughs> it's basically the music that plays in the Lord of the Rings when Gandalf falls into the mines of Moria. It's just that very sad, like, ah, it's hysterical. I, I could not stop laughing. One of the pictures on the wall in Cinderella's spirit room is the opening shot that we got of the house. There is a big wooden door that goes into her room. It's got a big round metal knocker on it, which is stupid already. But we can see that it's held onto the door with normal proportioned screws. But the big bar of wood that is holding the many vertical planks of this door together is held together by one single giant flathead screw. <laughs> it was so great. She's also got um, wooden log bars in her window to keep her from jumping out of the eighth story of this house, I guess. <laughs> uh, so, so great. And the fairy godmother goes, hello, Cinderella. And just like, keep in mind, the dramatic new agey vocalizations they don't stop at any point during the scene even mm -hmm. when things stop being like surprising or spooky nope just there is still like a lady going in the back it's amazing so cinderella sniffles and goes hello who are you <laughs> and points at the fairy godmother because she said you so mm -hmm. you have to point and she goes i'm your fairy godmother would you like to go to the ball? And she points her finger just in a random direction when she says go. <laughs> and Cinderella goes, huh? And then does like football goal arms with her like thumbs out. It's great. I don't know how else to describe it. The music still continues during this exchange and Cinderella goes, I'd like to, but I can't. I don't have nice clothes to wear. Or a carriage to travel in, you see. And she has like a very Barbie meets Dora the Explorer voice. And the oh, entire yeah. time she's just pivoting her arms like they're windshield wipers. We need to make this a visual media. <laughs> really <laughs> so the fairy godmother tells her that she'll have everything she needs as soon as she waves her wand. And then a wand appears in her hand, which is like a sparkly baton mm -hmm. with a star in front of it not like attached to it in any way and the star mm -hmm. is just rotating mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the narrator tells us that cinderella's old clothes turned into a shimmering evening gown and then we see it happen mm -hmm. but it's actually a pretty cute like transformation sequence like the dress pops into existence but then different details appear and the sleeves kind of become frillier and longer and her hair changes and every time, like, a new thing changes, there's like a boing or pew kind of sound effect. I have leveling up Twinkle video game music. Yeah! It's very, like, Sailor Moon things just kind of yes. pop into your outfit. Yes. And I really liked it. Like, it was a very basic visual effect, mm -hmm. but I really liked it. It was cute. Do you want to describe her dress? It's really pink. Oof. So pink. So pink. Uh, it's got a tight bodice. It has uh, just a normal sort of big bell skirt. And it has shoulder straps that go over the shoulders, but then an off-the-shoulders sort of see-through-y part. It's kind of like wearing an off-the-shoulder top, but your bra straps are showing. Or like a layer but look. But you've color got a... matched it. 
or you've got like a racerback tank on and then one of those slouchy sh- it's it's a very 90s look again so this is also 90s 1990s by the way her hair goes into like an updo with a little pink diamondy sparkly thing on the front of it and she gets a little pink four-leaf clover necklace we see that her shoes change into glass pink shoes that have a little butterfly on them it's so cute but like not like at the opening where her ankle is but like on her toes oh yeah on the toes it's great like picture the figure on a ship yeah that is what those butterflies are doing on her 100 percent. it was delightful i would have i would wear those shoes absolutely and then cinderella goes huh wow i also have that in my notes good to know i got those words correct yeah she says huh a lot yeah and so this whole time the narrator is narrating everything they do the bit where they go out into the garden and the fairy godmother makes a pumpkin just float horizontally mm-hmm. into the like entryway and mm-hmm. then it turns into a carriage which is very round and they tell us it's a golden carriage i don't know it's a very ugly orange carriage it's super ugly yes like you know how in the 50s one it changes into this beautiful white carriage that's kind of pumpkin-esque and that it's kind of got rounded bits and little fluting and delicate no this is just super ugly and round this is a perfect orange sphere that for some reason has a giant diamond Mm -hmm. embedded into the top of it like it's a ring it's a very bizarre choice but i was kind of mesmerized And then mice, who we're told are playing in the garden, and they appear to be like playing tug-of-war with a piece of string. Yep, yep, that's what I've got. So the mice become horses that just sort of stand there staring vacantly into the distance. The rat, which is the same as the mice's but purple instead of blue, Mm -hmm. becomes a coachman who's immediately smiling like Mm -hmm. he's jazzed to be a guy. And the lizard gets turned into a footman And like, yes, the default animation for everybody is an open mouth grin. But there's something about the lizard footman that just makes him seem like extra happy all the time. Do you know? He kind of bounces. Do you know what it is? What is it? He has the tiniest little soul patch beard. He does have a little soul patch beard. And I think that really makes a difference. But he kind of just shimmies a little bit or bops his head side to side while he's not mm-hmm. doing anything. And there's something like extra big about his smile. I don't know. Lizard guy is just so happy to be a footman. Mm-hmm. He's like, ding, this is my lucky day. Yep. So Cinderella goes, I can go to the ball now. And then an imagination balloon appears where we see the stairs leading up to the palace where the ball is happening and at this point i started to wonder if this was maybe supposed to be like a point and click game like for real and you're supposed to select where she wants to go out of multiple options because she points to it she points to the bubble it just feels like dora the explorer Mm -hmm. where she like asks you to help her do a thing and then a cursor appears on the screen and clicks on the option that is the correct one and they assume you did Mm-hmm. So I wonder if, like, that's what they're going for, but it's very strange. Mm-hmm. Cinderella says, thank you, fairy godmother. And then the camera points straight at the fairy godmother. And she just looks straight ahead for, like, a solid beat, smiling. And then she blinks. And then we hold that beat again. 
And then it goes back to the side view of everyone with the coachman in the background, like sitting in profile, but turned to the camera grinning. Mm-hmm. And then the fairy godmothers does the thing about the magic disappearing and individually lists all of the things that will disappear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is like, be back by midnight. And it sounds very stoned. The fairy godmother voice is suddenly, I didn't get any of the words, but. And then at midnight, all the magic will go away. It was delightful. And Cinderella promises to be back by midnight. The carriage drives off. And the former lizard footman, after closing the door, the carriage is already moving. He, like, speed dashes onto the back of the carriage. Like, they do, like, a speed blur effect. Then he just happily waves goodbye at the camera. And now Cinderella's at the palace. And uh, the music here is the intro to a really terrible modern pop song where the background vocalization is just going, ooh, 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 ooh. It was, it was so good. I tried to write that out in my notes um, to capture the tune using just uh, ooh-oohs and capitals. And I didn't do a great job, but my notes are making me smile, so we'll take it. It's like the background fake pop music you hear like in a commercial. Mm -hmm. It was good. I really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. So she has come up the stairs and she's walking through the doorway. There's another guy in a blue cat in a hat ensemble, which also includes like a cyan blue overcoat. And this is just the uniform that the palace servants wear, evidently. They also all have mustaches, but they have Mm -hmm. slightly different hairstyles. Yeah, that was that was a choice. But um, I, I got distracted by the background again. So she's walking in through a golden door, and the door has a door handle that's a turning uh, door handle, not a round doorknob, but like a latching door handle. Has one at, you know, normal height, one at head height, and one at the very top of the door. <laughs> and I'm like... Liv, come on. This is a fairy tale. You gotta, you gotta make things accessible, both for like fairy tale creatures that are very small, fairy tale creatures that are very tall. Okay, but there's also like a plug-in electric 1950s lamp on top of a little side desk of drawers in the ballroom. Yes. Okay. But this had my favorite moment of animation because as she's walking in, we see the dance floor, which has tiles like it's, it's tiled. But it's so shiny that people are being reflected in it, but their reflections are kind of, ooh, like, they're not perfect reflections, and they're distorted such that, like, they look like a normal reflection if somebody were to be walking and have a reflection on the very shiny floor. And I was just delighted that everybody had a reflection that was going in the same direction and it wasn't just them on the floor also. Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I was mostly entertained by the fact that the narrator says that you know Cinderella was so beautiful everyone turned to look at her but then he also says that the prince was so charmed by her that he only wanted to dance with her and I feel like all of the ladies that he invited to the ball saying that he would dance with every single one of them have now been seriously offended like you couldn't just not dance with somebody Mm -hmm. after you said you would dance with them Agreed, like, agreed. You're not allowed to do that. The music is still going. The pop music has switched to like do 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 
The prince, by the way, asks Cinderella to dance by saying, may I please dance with you? And Cinderella goes, huh? Yes. It was great. She also says that into sort of an echoey silence. By the way, the prince goes to Cinderella having, he walks away from the single very, very tall throne chair, but we see it directly on and it has two perfectly round armrests and the ends of them have tassels right in the very center. So they had thousand percent looks like that chair is wearing pasties. <laughs> I couldn't get over it. We see it later. Behind the prince and Cinderella as they're dancing now, by the way, is a, another pair of open gauzy curtains over a closed door that's wooden, clearly, and carved in a very Art Nouveau style, which I really liked. Listen, when people are coming over, you can't let them know that you have doors. You have to hide them with curtains. With open curtains? Well, what if they need to use the door? Uh, okay, I guess. I... Anyways... The prince and Cinderella dance in a spotlight with confetti and floating red bubble hearts. The prince has a, like, his head is definitely too big for his body, but not in an oversized cartoon way, just like they did it kind of wrong kind of way. He has a slightly arched nose, but also his face is weirdly flat, and he just, he looks wrong in a way that none of the other of them looks wrong. Like, he looks like he's wearing a skin suit. There's something just, like, a little extra uncanny about him. Mm -hmm. I think it's in the way that he has no, like, he's just so bland. There's something about his face that makes your eyes just kind of slip right off of it. Mm -hmm. And there's yeah. something a little extra blank about his expression and a little extra wide about his smile where he just seems like very robotic. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's fine. It's only a little stranger than everybody else. Like, I think in this universe, he's probably like very handsome. I mean, sure. So they're dancing. We see characters in the background that I suspect are princes and princesses of other fairy tales, but they are standing perfectly still and they're very blurry because they're in the background. The step family arrives in focus in sort of the mid background and have a whole, I've never seen her. Who is she? She must be a princess conversation. Okay, but this whole bit happens right after the narrator tells us no one recognized Cinderella, and she felt very happy dancing with the prince. The prince felt she was the kindest, most beautiful young woman he had ever met. Which, like, okay, that's very cute that he's, like, dancing with her and is like, wow, she seems like she's really kind. Not sure I believe it, but fine. But then immediately after the narrator says that, we get, like, a, who's that girl? The prince only wants to dance with her. I've never seen her before. She must be a princess or someone very wealthy. I feel like they double booked the narrator position and then just didn't have the confrontational skills to let one of them know that they were extraneous. It's very redundant. Mm -hmm. But Cinderella's having such a good time dancing that she loses track of time. And we see the clock and it is not midnight. It's 11.53. Yeah, like the clock chiming doesn't happen bit where cinderella startled that doesn't happen she just looks at the clock and is like oh i have to go soon <laughs> like in her head sorry prince it's time for me to leave and she walks slowly down the stairs leaving a shoe casually and then we get the weirdest animation so the way that this palace is set up is there's the big doors there's a bit of a landing and then there's a long staircase down 
The prince has followed her out through the door, and we only see him and the servant who's following him from the waist up. And he's very creepily and blandly asking for her name and telling her to wait. But he just keeps walking directly forward, staring directly into the camera, well past where the stairs should have started. And it was, it was horrifying. So as Cinderella walks away from him, he like reaches an arm out after her <laughs> and then waits like a little bit too long and then starts walking after her at the same pace, just very slowly. And then he goes, wait, and she keeps going. And then when she's getting into the carriage, he's at the top of the stairs and she can definitely hear him. And when you're like, he's creepily talking to her. No, okay, what this man says is, please tell me your name and where you live so we can meet again. Very reasonable. No, 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 the words are reasonable. It's the, please tell me your name and where you live so we can meet again. As he's walking clearly on the air because the steps have started by now. That was the part that I found creepy. The words themselves were fine. Fair enough. But now Cinderella's in her carriage and driving away and we pull back and we see that the prince has just glitched back to where the door is. And he and the servant trot down the stairs. I have it four and a half steps at a time. <laughs> and then we cut to Cinderella driving away over like a damn aqueduct. Not like a curse word, like just there's a big lake on one side of her and a waterfall on the other. Mm -hmm. And there's massive mountains in the distance. So they are high up in the mountains in like there's a lake. It, where are they? They're supposed to be in France, I think. I don't know that France has lakes that are high up in the mountains like that. We also see the castle in the distance and it's like 11 stories tall. It's also very dark. Like, I know it's midnight, but the scenes outside the palace are very well lit. But now well, it's, like, very dark, and the, there's a full moon, and there's all this mist coming off the water, and suddenly like, it gets very spooky in the Cinderella. Yeah, but, like, also the castle looks more like, like an office building that's lit up at night, um, so it doesn't look very castle-y. But we're in this beautiful thing somewhere, and then we just cut back to the palace and the servant points to the shoe on the staircase. There's no voiceover now, thank God. And the prince looks excitedly in a completely different direction than where the shoe is. Mm -hmm. And I have, they pantomime at one another ecstatically for a while. Yeah, there's just like a lot of smiling. The hat man servant guy like picks up the shoe and hands it to the prince after he pointed at the shoe and the prince couldn't tell where he was pointing at. And the prince is just delighted to have the shoe in his hands mm -hmm. to the point where I kept waiting for him to like bring it up to his mouth and like smell it. Like this man was so happy so to shoes. have a shoe. We cut back to Cinderella and she is getting home right at midnight, pulling him through the gates. And the carriage and horse are pulsing with light, like a light bulb about to go out. Mm -hmm. And then the magic ends. Midnight. She's home. She lands on her butt sitting in the driveway in a broken pumpkin. And the mice and the rats are around her. And How uh, how big would you say they are? Oh, I wondered if you had noted that too, Talon. I've got they're the size of small lap dogs. Yeah, they're not quite knee height, but they are like uncomfortably close to knee height. Mm -hmm. They're the size of a small terrier. Yeah, and they're also tugging on Cinderella's skirt and pointing at her slipper because 
even though everything mm -hmm. changed back, she's still wearing a slipper. And the narrator, in case you missed any of it, also tells you everything as it's happening, including the slipper bag. Yeah. We cut back to the palace. The prince has the pink glass shoe on a table. And an imagination bubble appears directly above the shoe, showing the shoe on a different table with a different room and a different covering. And it turns out that the shoe is actually on a cushion that is drawn exactly like a table. Yes, I think it's not even a cushion. I think it's like a platter with it's... a cloth thrown over it. It's fine. I have the exact same note where he looks at the shoe on the table and imagines it on a slightly different table. It's great. But what's actually happening is that he's telling the servant what he wants him to do. The thing is, though, the narrator now gets his union-mandated break, mm -hmm. and we suddenly get zero, zero narration for things that it could actually be helpful to have narration for. And also, the dialogue stops completely. Yep, it was a weird choice. But this is the part where someone has initiated the shoe montage. The prince gives a thumbs up at one point, so that was great. And then we see the servants walk up to a door. They're both wearing the big blue cat and the hat hats, in case you're concerned that they had taken those off. They do not, ever. One is a coachman, and mm -hmm. he like is sitting at the carriage, and the other one is presumably the messenger. This was the first time we had seen more than one of them in the room at the same time. So you have known the whole time that that's just the uniform. But I've spent this entire time wondering, is that, is that one servant guy doing all of the jobs? Like he's mm -hmm, the messenger mm -hmm. and the doorman. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he's gonna like do the driving and the like, no, no, it is the uniform. They all have mustaches. The coachman actually has a mullet mm -hmm. and when the messenger holding the shoe on what previously had appeared to be a small table but is actually just flat round platter of some kind he goes up to the door and the music stops we've had music this whole time so the fact that the narrator wasn't talking and that also there was no dialogue was like weird but not like unpleasant i was like okay i got it but now the music also stops, and what we hear is, like, a horse neigh, and the, the messenger knocks on the door, and no one answers the door for a while, and we hear birds tweeting, and you think somebody's gonna say something or something? Like, why did the music stop? Why are we suddenly, like, listening so intently? But I think maybe they ran out of time or budget, or there was supposed to be a scene that they forgot about. I don't know. Yeah, we're still just in the shoe montage. He's just going to try the shoe on several different people. The music just stops and we get a montage with no narration, no spoken words, and no background music. So that was, that's delightful. Well, the music does come in again after the scene where he's knocking at the door ends and we just see like a different scene. Ah, uh, okay. It's so weird though. So it's not quite that weird, but it is weird. And we only see like three girls... And only one of them puts the shoe on. Another one just takes the shoe off the platter and another one just kind of holds it up. But the one that we do see try it on, it appears to fit. And nobody like does the thing where they shake their heads or anything. She's just making the default smile face at the camera. But then they quickly move on to a different girl. Yep. 
But they evidently the shoe didn't fit anybody except for the girl that it obviously fit. And the servant comes back to the prince at the palace. And again, using only the power of thought bubble, reminds him of the manor house and the step family that lived there. And guys, do you know what's on the wall at the palace? It's another portrait of the same face. <laughs> okay. I just, I'm so sorry. I have to go back for a moment. It's the same face. I can't, I can't, I can't engage with the vase thing. I'm sorry. I just like. I can't. Okay. Sorry. Yes. Okay. So when the messenger returns to the palace, he looks sad and he shrugs and shakes his head. And then the prince looks sad, but then he looks kind of hopeful and holds out his hands in like supplication towards the messenger. And then the messenger looks really thoughtful and taps his finger to his chin and then points like upwards and then I've got an idea kind of way. And then he's got the thought bubble with Cinderella's house and then he points at it. And mm -hmm. the prince like looks happy and nods and is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he also points. Okay, great. Does this mean that the messenger only went to like the three houses that we saw and then was like, well, it's not those guys and came back and the prince was like, please, is there nothing else we can do? And the messenger guy was like, well, I guess I could go to the other houses in your city. A thousand percent. That is what happened. Okay, great. Great, great, great. So the narrator says the next day the royal messenger and the prince went to the house, but that's the next day from this day. So this is two days after the ball, do we think? I guess so, yeah. Okay. Also, the narrator is back, everyone. Yep. Suddenly, so, very suddenly, it was so jarring. The prince and the servant knock on the door to the manor and open the door and sort of walk in just in perfect sync with one another. The purple stepsister goes, Oh. It's the prince. And hearts float out of her. And Pink goes, he must be wanting to marry me. And Purple goes, no, me. At this point, the messenger and the prince walk into the home, but they're walking right at the camera. And they just keep walking right at the camera. Like they are coming closer and closer and closer, <laughs> just smiling aggressively. <laughs> They're also in perfect sync. So in perfect unison, they're walking. And this was the part that drove me nuts because the door is open. And in the background, you can see distant trees on a hillside that are foggy and sort of hazy because they're in the distance. And there's clouds in the sky. And the sky isn't just bright blue. It's sort of a gray gradation color. And a little bird, tiny birds fly through the air. And I'm like, who did the backgrounds? Who? Who? What? Michelangelo was doing the backgrounds of this and could they not have spent a second more on like the focus of each shot I don't have an answer for you but could you imagine if the rest of it was the same level of quality I'm just imagining like a Miyazaki background with this happening in front of it yeah the narrator helpfully tells us the messenger was carrying the glass slipper that had fallen off Cinderella's foot We've seen this messenger carrying this <laughs> slipper on this platter like multiple times already. Do yep. you think we forgot or do you not know that we have seen him multiple times? I swear to God, I think that they added that middle bit after all of the recording had been done. And they were like, we should have a shoe montage. We forgot to have a shoe montage. Either that or the narrator has amnesia. Oh boy. 
Although, I'll, you know what? I'll give him this. This narrator at least does not lie to us. That's true. There are no lies in this narration. There's a lot of repetition, but there's no lies. So the sisters go to try on the shoes. The purple sister says, it's mine, and picks up the shoe and just holds it to her face like an old-timey telephone and then just sort of rubs her face along it. She nuzzles that shoe. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then she sits down and goes to put it on, but the shoe is comedically too large for her foot. Like, too large. Her foot takes up two-thirds of this shoe. She could... There's so much shoe outside of her... It's insane. <laughs> uh, she points at it and goes, Ugh, it's too big for my foot. And then shrugs. <laughs> yep. She gets angry eyebrows for that. Mm -hmm. The pink sister tries it on, and it is too small for her feet, but not by as comedically huge a margin, which would have been funny. Which makes me wonder, like, in most universes, Cinderella has unusually small and dainty feet, and that's mm -hmm. considered, like, attractive. I feel like in this universe, Cinderella just has the most normal feet, the exact perfect average-sized foot, and apparently having, like, a little baby foot versus, like, a foot that's bigger than average is equally, like... Mm, I don't, that's not the woman I'm looking for, which is hilarious to me. Yep. But just then, the narrator tells us that the prince sees Cinderella standing in the corner. And even though she looked very different than she looked at the ball, he still remembers her. But what I have written down is that the prince sees Cinderella standing in the corner, looks away at a thought bubble memory that's just showed up, watches the thought bubble montage of the party sort of smiles in a aha kind of way. The thought bubble bursts, and then he looks back at Cinderella and then gets up and walks to her. He had to, like, think about his memory. Mm -hmm. And, like, he had to look away and, like, really focus. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and then when mm -hmm. he, he had that memory cemented in his head, he looked back at her and he was like, dang, that is her. Mm -hmm. And so he walked over. They also both are, like, staring at each other from across the room with matching giant grins and bacon expressions, which for once is actually very cute because they just look like goofy, like, puppy love. Mm -hmm. uh, it is the only time that it worked for me. He has to walk past the stepmother, who is back to her black and green Maleficent dress. And I have, she looks shocked. Well, she opens her mouth a different way. <laughs> she does not look happy or angry. No. So we her must mouth... assume that this means surprise. Yep. yep. Different mouth shape, different perfect rainbow eyebrows instead of down angry eyebrows or up happy eyebrows. By the way, there's another portrait of a different face with a cactus on the wall behind her. Oh, a cactus. Yeah, it had well, a Well, like, that a breaks the pattern. I know. I was shocked. I, I think it's a little too late in the film to add a cactus. Right. It really should have just been the same face every single time. I would have been so happy. So the prince says, please, would you try the slipper on? And she does, and it fits. And uh, Liv, how does the prince react to this? He makes finger hearts. So he puts his hands together with his thumbs touching and his forefingers touching the way that you make a little heart with your hands. And they both do it, actually. Really? They both do it. I was like, the way that you tell somebody across the room, like, love you, heart. It's very cute. So my husband and I have a thing where so occasionally we'll do that, but we'll only do one half of it and we'll sort of try and line up our fingers across the room. Aww. 
so we can make a little heart. It's super cute. That's so cute. <laughs> so the prince goes, you're the one I danced with last night. You are my princess. And the fairy godmother twinkles into screen. She appears from a single point of light that distorts the entire wall. So the entire wall behind her sucks into a vacuum of space for a second and then sort of boings her out from a single point of light. It was amazing. And then she just goes, yes, she is. And then we get the exact identical dress sequence change to the pink dress as we got before. Exact same sound effects, exact same order. It was identical. It was great. Do you know what's missing, though? What? The bit where Cinderella takes out the other shoe and is like, I have the matching pair and puts the shoe on and then the transformation happens. No, she just, we just don't do that part for some reason. The music now is like, it was great. So as I'm watching this, I now begin to wonder, like, do, do people know about fairies in this universe? Is the prince so into Cinderella that he just is not paying attention to the fact that there's a fairy there? And then this is not particularly cleared up when they pan to the stepmother and the stepsisters who just collectively go, huh? <laughs> yep. But we're, we're told now that the prince and Cinderella have a wedding. And as the prince puts a very silly ring onto her finger, he gets a level up noise. You know, the way that you do when you level up girlfriend 6.0 to wife 1.0. And she's wearing a different dress. It's very pretty. It's a white dress. It looks very sort of 1990s bride. It has a wide skirt, sort of a, a tighter bodice. It has sort of a Princess Diana vibe to it. It's sleeveless? Yeah. Which is, like, very interesting. And it's, it's like, very sleek for princess wedding dress. Mm -hmm. But it still does have kind of a full skirt, but more in like a tulip style than a like big poofy out from the hip style. And she has like a really pretty veil. <laughs> yeah, but also her eyes are sort of half-lidded uh, here and nowhere else. And it is the weirdest thing because her eyes have just been completely wide open the entire time. But there is more confetti now coming from everywhere. And we're told that they've invited everyone. Cinderella is linked arms with the prince. They're grinning. And the prince is wearing, like, the white and gold prince wedding outfit that every mm -hmm. Disney prince has. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, it's the Prince Eric and the Cinderella prince. Like, they all shop at the same store. Yep. And then the narrator says, they invited everyone to the celebration and left no one out. Liv, who do we see now? Colin, we see Cinderella. Uh-huh. Not, not, not the one we've been watching. The, the Disney one. The one that we watched in season one. Um, with the blue dress, with the sort of pale blue uh, sort of butt hip things and the, the blonde hair that's in a different up to, this, you know, Cinderella, the one that we're all familiar with. She's here. Yeah. She's just one of the guests at the wedding. By the way, when we went back and watched this, because we had to go back and watch this and take so many notes. Cinderella is also one of the guests at the ball. <gasps> really? She's we missed her a, the first time? She's in a background scene. She's incredibly blurry. I only could see her because I already knew that she was going to be there because they had her in, in this scene. But I was dying. It's, it was so weird. But the step family is also here in their walking day dresses again. And the father is there. Yeah, I guess all of this isn't too much trouble 
once your daughter slash stepdaughter is married to the prince? Well, to give the father a little bit of grace, he's been gone for three days. Oh, fair. <laughs> like he left. There was immediately an invitation to the ball that night. The next day was the unsuccessful shoe montage. The day after that was the successful shoe montage. And then immediately a wedding. So it is three days. Okay. He shouldn't have left in the first place, but I will concede that it's very possible this is just when he was going to come back anyway. I like to think that he was like, this is not okay. I'm going to go find a different manor house. We signed a very aggressive separation agreement. She's definitely going to get this house when we divorce. But I'm going to go find a different house and take my daughter to it. But I got to go house hunting. So I like to think that he left and went house hunting. Okay, but that's... I said I like to think that. Also wrong. That's also wrong of him to do. And, like, also stupid. Like, if you're going to be, like, <sighs> evil, I'm... just be evil. Don't also be stupid. If the problem is that the step family is mistreating Cinderella, his solution cannot be, I'm going to go figure this out. Meanwhile, I'm going to leave Cinderella behind. By the way, uh, they are walking in through the same giant gold doors. The same giant gold doors no longer have any door handles. Instead, it has a giant big latch bolt about 10 feet in the air. Okay. The construction of this movie just is killing. It's just, it's tearing at my soul. <laughs> we then get a split panel, like a split screen, with Cinderella's father happily watching on one side, and then in the other side, Cinderella and the stepmother hug, and they have little hearts over them. Mm-hmm. And the narrator tells us that Cinderella even invited her stepsisters and stepmother, who decided to be as kind and loving as Cinderella. Deeply unsatisfying. I didn't like that. No. Nope. And then Cinderella and the prince dance, and the stepsisters are also dancing in the background with matching clone men, mm -hmm. one in a red jacket and one in a blue jacket. They're almost identical clones, but one of them has a little tiny goatee beard. The tiniest beard. Oh, teeny little beard. Yep. And then we see Cinderella and the prince on the staircase landing outside. And now all of the guests are outside on the ground at the bottom of the staircase. And we get the sounds of applause, but we see this audience and no one is moving. They're certainly no. not clapping. And then we cut to this prince and Cinderella in what I have is a very dumb carriage. But more upsettingly, they're on opposite sides of it. So we see them looking out of the windows of the carriage. But normally when you have a romantic carriage ride at the end of a movie where you're getting married, either you see the happy couple through sort of the rear window of the carriage, or they're both sitting next to one another and they both sort of poke their heads out of the same window because they're sitting next to one another, not opposite each other, like there's an interview about to happen. Maybe they just want to sit across from each other so they could look at each other and like hold hands without getting a crick in their necks. Sure. Mino just says, happily ever after, whatever. Yeah, the narrator's like, Cinderella and the prince then left happily ever after. They drive off, Cinderella like kind of waves, and then a magic wand appears again, like in front of the castle, mm -hmm. but it just writes the word Cinderella and then everything's over and it fades to black and then immediately goes watch our other videos in white font on the screen yep and that's it that's the choo-choo cinderella 
Oh, that was 11 minutes, guys, by the way. I don't know if we told you that that whole thing was 11 minutes of movie, but... Yeah, mm-hmm. That was really intense. I... I, I have I need... 12 pages of notes, BT dubs. I very sensibly write my notes in a format that does not give me pages, so I don't have to know how many pages of notes I've written. All right, that was our choo-choo Cinderella. Talon, um, highs and lows. Okay, my high is every time we saw the footman and the coachman in the background, and they both looked so happy, <laughs> and yep. like... Cinderella and the fairy godmother would be having conversation and it would be like very serious like you must come back by midnight or you're dressed and your carriage and the things will disappear and slightly blurrily in the background between the two of them there's just a guy who's having the best day of his life yeah that was that was delightful my low is that she and the stepmother hug at the end that's not okay I didn't like that no mm-mm mm-mm how about you? What are your highs and lows? My high was a thousand percent pausing every two seconds to just hold the computer very close to my face and look at all the paintings in the background of every single <laughs> room that they were in. I had such a good time. My low, this is going to be real specific. My low is that the father is dressed most of the time in the same outfit that he's wearing in the portrait to his dead first wife. Not all the time. When we see him the first time, he's wearing a different outfit. And then he specifically changes clothes into the marriage portrait clothes. And then also he still exists and isn't dead. And then also just pieces out. So it was the, fa- it was the father. I didn't like the father. The incessant smiling wasn't great either. Didn't like that. <laughs> that was real uncanny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what would you change about this movie? I would change the ending. Mm-hmm. I want there to be some sort of comeuppance. Like, I want Cinderella to still be nice and still invite them all to the ball. And then to just sort of, like, graciously dismiss them somehow. Or even just, like, turn the other cheek in a way that's like, I'm so happy now. I probably won't see you very much anymore. I hope you have a happy life. Goodbye. Forever. Yeah, like, I don't know. Something, I don't know. How about you? I would change the animation style. Because it was terrible. But it was it was made worse by the fact that we watched the Lottie Reiniger 1922-whatever oh, paper yeah. cutout thing that was so fluid and so beautiful and so articulated and evocative of motion and just fluidity and this thing where everyone's just glitching around the screen and bopping like they're made out of jello it was just i wanted it to not be that i would have rather had still frames i would have rather had a still picture than a different still picture i found the animation very charming Hmm. i thought it was really funny the way that they moved and just like I found the whole thing kind of sweet that said if it was just still pictures with narration that sure would take a lot of redundancy out of it when the narrator tells us something and then we watch it happen yeah I would much rather look at a still picture that someone spent more time on Mm -hmm. and have the narrator tell me what happened than do it twice yeah absolutely so um do you think our listeners should watch this? 
Yeah, I think it's really fun, actually. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, guys, don't. This was... Whew. I mean, unless you're really involved in some fun substances and you're fine with that, just don't do it. It's not... If you enjoy watching bad movies, this is a really fun bad movie to watch. Okay, but it's not good bad. It's like bad bad. No, it's good bad. Ah, I disagree. All right. What grade? What grade are you giving this one? Our Choo Choo Cinderella. Oh, jeez. I don't even know. It it had a lot of really good story beats. Like, surprisingly, a lot of story beats in a Cinderella that I really liked. I like that the prince recognizes her, mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah. And I don't know. I like that she's really sweet and really kind. But on the other hand, like, her dad's there and he didn't do anything. And the fairy godmother transformed her back into a princess when the prince found her. And usually when she transforms again, the implication is like, it's the magic of true love. And that the fairy godmother's powers were like limited in some way. But this makes me feel like she could have been more helpful while Cinderella was being abused. I don't know. I I don't like it when the fairy godmother is like too powerful. Mm -hmm. Then I'm like, you've been sleeping on the job this child is miserable Mm -hmm. and then like the ending hit me really weird so I don't know I don't know uh I think I think I have to give it like a c minus it's a c minus I've decided it's a c minus I'm committing to that c minus okay okay cool cool cool. what about you I'm giving it a d oh okay (laughs) because You're right. It did hit a lot of the Cinderella story beats that we like, but it also had a bunch of horrifically weird stuff in it and things that I specifically hate. You know, father, repetitive narration. She calls her stepmother mother. Hate that. But on the other hand, one of the things the prince really liked about her was how kind she was. I don't really know that calling your stepmother mother is kind in that scenario. I feel like that's just sort of Stockholm-y. And I didn't no, like I, I was just saying you said a bunch of things that are negatives that I can't argue with. And I'm trying to distract you with mm-hmm. a thing that I liked that I think were... is a positive. Like a pros and cons. Listen, okay. the okay. cons are the cons. Like I got, there is okay, no defending any of that. There were additional servants in the household. Yeah, that was weird. They couldn't pick a time frame. This vacillated wildly between 1870 and 1990. The, the, With a pit stop in the 50s. Yeah, it was it was bananas. So, like, and then at the end, yeah, he finds her. Okay, but, like, she's supposed to reveal that she has the other shoe. Otherwise, there's no point in that other shoe being there. Like, there's no point for the shoe to have remained. And then the stepmother just comes in and the father's back again. And she just, no, I don't like it. I don't, it did enough things bad. And then it did enough weird things with the endings. And I'm like, no, what, you know what? You didn't fail. You didn't fail. But, I, you know, you need to step it up. Okay, I'm taking it back. You've sold me. I now feel like this is a D plus. Can I do that? Can I? Sure. I have okay. it written down. This okay. is our show. D plus. Great. Great, great, great. <laughs> You've talked me down. I, I was waffling on the C minus. <laughs> well, it is almost midnight. So thanks for joining us. <laughs> if you liked this episode, please leave us a rating or a review. We'd love to hear from you. So follow us at CinderPod on Twitter and Instagram, like our Facebook page, or email us at the Cinderella Podcast at gmail.com. 
If you want bibbity boppity bonus episodes or to hear us discuss this week's Cinderella, but with more adult questions, language, and beverages, join us in the Ever After Party at patreon.com slash cinderpod. Our intro music is Bad Ideas by Kevin McLeod, and you can find him at incompetech.com. So Liv, what are we watching next week? Talent, next week we are watching If the Shoe Fits, made in 1990 with Rob Lowe. Oh. It's supposed to be horrible. I'm so excited about this. Oh. Hey. <laughs> well. It's only it's- 91 minutes, so it's at least made for TV length. Oh, good. It's a TV movie. <laughs> well, until then, we hope you have a happily ever after.